0: One of the greatest hindrances to all of devotion to the Lord and his kingdom is the love of money and the lure of materialism and greed and self-indulgence rooted in earthly treasures. Possibly the greatest reason people do not give a full-out devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ is they simply love stuff as much or more than him.
1: Welcome to Live in the Light today, friends, and hey, we're glad you're here, and we pray that you're ready to hear from the Lord, and specifically, God's word for each of us about our hearts. Pastor Robbie is in our studio today as well, and Robbie, when I see this text that's in front of us today, I can't help but think of Proverbs 4.23, which says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life this passage today really does deal with the heart, but notice
0: how and this is what's so amazing is that title is Will Man Rob God? God is going for the hearts of his people, but how? Through their giving. Isn't that isn't that something? We learned today fundamentally as Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. So today's passage the truth that's within it is all about the people were robbing God now think about that when God says you're robbing me that means the people are withholding something that belongs to the Lord specifically it was their money it was his resources that they were withholding from the Lord hey how do you view money today how's your giving do you find yourself to be a generous person have you ever thought do you know how much this matters to the heart of God, about where our hearts are at in terms of generosity and treasures on earth, and whether we're living for the kingdom or living for the kingdom of self. Such a, such a big deal. This is why Jesus spent so much time speaking about the reality of money as it relates to our hearts. That's why Malachi 3, verses 6 to 12 enter in here today too, because God knows that where our treasure is, there will be our heart also. I'm telling you, man, I get excited about messages like this because at the end of the day, it's a heart message. Listen, be transformed, trust in the
1: Lord, and who knows what will happen to your life as a result. All right, excited loved ones that the Lord is coming for our hearts today. We pray your hearts be open to hear from him. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. Again, the title of the message today, will man rob God? Here's Robbie with today's message.
0: You would open your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. That'd be a great encouragement to me and I think a greater encouragement to the Holy Spirit because this is how he speaks to us through the word. Of God, Malachi chapter 3. As we do that, I want to summarize where we've been in Malachi thus far in this series. I want to remind you, at the end of the day, the book of Malachi is a call from the heart of God. Listen, it's a call from the heart of God for the heart of his people. Really summarizing the book of Malachi in one sentence. He calls out, return to me. Why? He wants the heart Of his people. So let's just kind of recap where we've been. And message number one, God is calling for the love of his people. He says, I have loved you, he says. And therefore, in return, he wants the love of his people back to him. And message number two, God calls for the honor from his people that they might fear the Lord because he is the only. One worthy of this. True love results in honor and fear and reverence before God. And message number three God calls for purity of worship from his people. Remember that? He's like, Leftovers are not okay. God does not deserve our third, fourth, fifth, whatever. Not our worst. God deserves our best. And again, rightly so, there's no one else worthy of our praise. And message number four God calls for faithfulness and fidelity from his people in the context of the covenant of marriage. God says, I instituted this beautiful covenant between a man and a woman in marriage. And he's calling for the fidelity of the honor of him and to hold it up as high as he does. And so faithfulness to one another in the beauty, sanctity, the blessing found within marriage. Again, because when he has our heart, this is what happens as well. So just think about the whole book so far. In one way or another, God's like, I want your heart. I get your heart. I have you. He's calling for, again, the affection, the devotion, the totality of our lives to return to him. And then today's passage in Malachi 3, verses 6 to 12, we find our theme verse in this passage in verse 7. Where specifically, God says, and wonderfully says, return to me, and I will return to you. So today, the Lord goes again for the heart of his people. And in some ways, it's a surprising method that he chooses. But in some ways, it's no surprise at all. God says, I'm coming for your heart again. And this is how he primarily goes for the heart of his people as he's building this wonderful system of approach and theology and 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 calling out for his people today he does this he says return to me how he goes for the people and their resources he calls for the people and their money he calls for the people and their generosity to him and to the giving of his work now isn't that fascinating As the Lord longs for our heart, he now addresses the subject of money, giving, and generosity. You step back for a second. You say, why, why would God do this? I mean, he owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as the Bible says. He needs nothing. Oh, but he who wrote the Bible himself would definitely highlight and hold up what his son Jesus Christ said. And here's really the truth. And the new covenant underlines this whole message today. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. And this is what the Lord knows. If he's really gonna have our hearts, then we must find him as our treasure. Because if you wanna find your heart, find your treasure. You wanna find your treasure, your heart will be with it. So this becomes not really a message about money, giving, or generosity. More importantly than that, it's a message from God for the heart of his people. Why? Because often, and especially in our day today, in society we live in, and in the church itself, one of the greatest hindrances to all out devotion to the Lord and his kingdom is the love of money and the lure of materialism and greed and self-indulgence rooted in earthly treasures. I'm telling you right now, by the word of God itself, possibly the greatest reason people do not give a full-out devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ is they simply love stuff as much or more than him. And you cannot serve both God and money. I've said it before and I'll say it again. In Revelation 18, it's describing the system of Babylon that is being judged ultimately with the return of Christ to start the eternal state or begin the millennium. Think about this. At the very end of the Bible, the two sins that explain the city of Babylon, which we believe is symbolic of the the society of evil and the world that we live in, the two sins that are mentioned as the primary cause for Jesus Christ to come to judge those who are living in it, one, sexual immorality, two, luxurious living. The two sins that summarize the system of the world in rejection of Jesus Christ are, you can look it up, man, Revelation 18, sexual morality and luxurious living. So of course this theme shows up in Malachi then because if God wants our heart, he knows where he has to go. He cannot avoid it because one of the critical areas of our lives is to have generous hearts of giving. Why? To prove we understand where true value lies. The person who does not give to the kingdom of God does not understand what this world's really about. The person who's not generous is proving they don't understand the theology of the word of God. That they don't get that there's treasures in heaven that will last forever, and treasures on earth that will not. Is why God does what he does today. I'm excited for messages like this. Not because they're about giving, because they're about the heart. And because of how much God cares about this. Here's what John Calvin said. He said it so well. He said this. This is his home board. Where riches hold the dominion of the heart, God has lost his authority. First opportunity to do a little heart exam for yourself right now because it's about the heart today. This is what it's about. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where riches hold the dominion of the heart. It's, It's all about this. And God has lost his authority. Malachi 3, verse 6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Notice, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Notice his answer. Will man rob God? Sermon title. Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have he robbed you? Here it is. In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you, pour down you a blessing till there's no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts, verse 12. Then all nations will call you blessed. Why? For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Within this powerful passage today, we see three statements that God says directly to his people. Three statements, and we're going to build our message around these three statements. Three statements that when lived out, they will equal changed lives. I'm going to give them to you all right now, and then we're going to unpack them as we go. The three statements God says from this text, notice they all involve, again, him and the word me in them, he says this. He says, return to me. He says, do not rob me. And thirdly, he says, test me. Return to me, do not rob me. And then finally, he says, test me. And we say back to God, then yes, Lord, change me. So let's start with the first statement then. Point number one then of our text and outline, God says this, he says, return to me. We'll call this, he's looking for a soft heart. Return to me, soft hearts. Again, verse six, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes, have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Two things we see in verses six and seven here. First, we see the character of God, and we see the heart of God. Notice in verse six, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. Theologically, um, this is called the immutability of God. God is immutable. It means he is unchanging. He does not change. And notice the result of the fact that God does not change, that he's immutable. In verse six, therefore, because I do not change, therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. God will stick with his promises. God is true to his word. Because he is true to his word, because God is true to his character, his people, therefore, are not consumed. Now the reality that our God does not change. We must take immense comfort in this truth. Think about this. Because God is immutable, because he does not change, God never changes for the better because you can't improve upon perfection. God never changes for the worse for the same reason as he you cannot improve upon perfection. So just think about this for a second then. God says, I do not change. So just step back just for a second from approaching Jesus as our vending machine where we want him to become our genie and say, gimme, 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 right? Which we fall into. Just step back for a moment of God, make my life better and change all my surroundings. And would you just make me, head? just for a second, just step back from that and just allow your gaze to go from down to up. And just consider the unchanging attributes of our God and take a moment to consider that God is unchanging in his sovereignty. He is ruling the universe with his feet up. God is unchanging in wisdom, in holiness, in power, in self-existence, in self-sufficiency. God is unchanging in justice, There's nothing he's not in charge of. There's nothing he cannot do. There's nothing he will not do to make things right. Take a moment, loved ones, to worship him. To worship him just for a moment. Again, eyes off of ourselves and up to the Lord. Worship him that he is perfect. Like perfect. He never, ever tires. Ever. Amazing. You and I get so tired every day, don't we? We're so tired. I need to sleep. I'm just so exhausted. I'm so, weird. God never, ever says that. Ever. Love him. Love him. He never weakens. Never weakens. Never. This past week, I put my back out. No oh, man. You know, just getting old. Just getting old. It never happens to God. He's indestructible. He's undefeated. Again, he's immutable. He's perfect. There's never a moment where he's down for the count. He never loses a round. Ever. Listen, he never has a bad day. Praise the Lord. I mean, truly, praise the Lord. You and I, so grumpy, have such bad days. One day we're good, one next day we're angry. One day we're here, next day we're so miserable about stuff. We're so up and down based on our, God's never like that. Ever, ever, ever. There's never a time he doesn't show up. Never a time again he's in a bad mood. Never a moment in his entire existence where he is at a loss. Because he is a God who does not change and he is absolutely perfect in every single way. Awesome, awesome. Allah. Just, just, just take a moment, look up, worship him. Just like there is none like you. It's so healthy. You are, you are truly worthy to be praised. Perfect, holy, and awesome God. And you know, our passage today talks about, I Lord, do not change. Its context is dealing directly with these attributes, though, of our Lord. All those things are true, what I just said, of course. But specifically, God is unchanging now. We learn this in our context, unchanging in love, unchanging in grace, unchanging in mercy. What's being emphasized here in verses six and seven, God says, I do not change. Great is my faithfulness. I am unchanging in my faithfulness. Therefore, children of Israel, you are not consumed. Consumed. This is an important doctrinal moment for us with application too, because think about this. Often we will say, God has been faithful. God has been faithful. And what we mean by that sometimes is, God has been faithful in my health because he brought me through a situation. God has been faithful because he provided for me financially. God has been faithful because he protected me from harm. God has been faithful because he worked out that circumstance at work that was really hard. But don't you see, as we're doing that, what we're really saying is, God, you are faithful in my terms. You are faithful because you acted the way I wanted you to act. Let me ask you, what if the hell thing doesn't work out? Is he not faithful then? What if the home thing doesn't work out? Is he not faithful? What if the finances don't come in the way we think they are? Is he not faithful all of a sudden? What if the work situation gets worse? Is God not faithful? Of course he's faithful because he can only be anything but faithful. See what's so important here? So often what we do is we look at this world as all there is and we base situations on how we're living and what we expect. It doesn't go the way we want. All of a sudden, God, you let me down. That's impossible. He cannot let you down. We just sang that song. He cannot let you down. Not one person will arrive in heaven in glory and stand before the Lord Jesus Christ in his glory. Not one person will accuse him of being, you were unfaithful to me. There's so much we don't understand. There's so much we cannot see. There's so much that doesn't make sense. At the end of the day, God can only be faithful because he is unchanging. Again, to arrive on that day before the Lord in his glory, to see his splendor, to be before his infinite wisdom, to know you are standing before the one who is sovereign over the entire universe and everything in it, to feel the thunder and the glory of his omnipotence and and his omniscience, the glory and faithfulness. In that moment, you and I will be melted into a sobbing worshiper of extreme joy and and, and gushing gladness. That day is gonna be awesome. And we're gonna see right there that he is only one thing, he is faithful. I'm encouraging you more and more. We have, to, we have to cease to live as though the way we see what's happening is the way that we interpret then God. No, 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 it's backwards, man. He's the one who interprets everything. And we know from a fact and truth that there's nothing he can't do and everything he does is ultimately good and one day it will all make sense. This is the character of God. This is what we're seeing within our passage right here. But then we also see his heart. Again, look at verse seven. He says, from the days your fathers have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Then he says, return. Here's his heart, okay? Listen to his heart. Return to me. This is amazing. This is again, the God of all glory, all holiness, all sovereignty. He says, return to me. Return to me and I will return to you. So because the Lord does not change, he does not stop calling for the heart of his people. I love this. The perfect, awesome, infinite, unchanging God. Ready? It's calling for our hearts. I mean, take this personally right now. He's calling for your heart. Just just right now, personally, he's calling for your heart. Unchanging love, unchanging grace, unchanging mercy, resulting in return to me, my child, and I will return to you. And I wonder who's here right now. There's some for sure. You've been running from the Lord. You have been shunning the Lord. You have been rejecting God. You have spit in the face of Jesus Christ by your actions and your sin as I did in my life once as well. But the Lord looks down upon you in his grace and unchanging mercy and love. And he looks at you as his child and says, won't you return to me? And I will return. I mean, honestly, who's running? Who's here right now? This is for you, this moment. And the love of the Lord Jesus Christ would overwhelm you and you can no longer tell me how hard hearted do we have to be to continue to despise and reject the unchanging grace and mercy of a God to forgive us of all our sins for everything we have done and nothing, nothing that we deserve. And then he calls out again and again, you're here right now. And again, you hear the voice of God in love. Return to me, my child. Return to me and I will return to you. Think of how patient and long-suffering our God is. See what you're looking for, soft hearts. Won't you soften your heart that you might be loved? Won't you let yourself be loved by God Almighty? So God's first statement in this text, he's like, return to me. He's looking for soft hearts. And now notice where he goes, point two. He says, do not rob me generous hearts so now he's looking for the heart of generosity and he says it here he says do not rob me again look at verse seven now the second half uh they the the people respond but you say how shall we return notice will man rob god yet you are robbing me but you say how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Okay, so here's what I need all of us to see right here, okay? Notice what's happening in the theology of God's heart for ours. The Lord says, return to me. God says, my people, I want you to return to me. So in other words, he's saying, I want your hearts. Now, do not miss how he wants them to return, Return to me, I want your hearts. How? Stop robbing me. The way you return to me, people, is you stop robbing me. The way you return to me is by giving generously to my work. The way you return to me is specifically here, bring the tithe. Fascinating. Return to me. How? Stop robbing me. Give generously. Bring the tithe. Again, amazing. God owns everything. He made everything. He doesn't need anything. So why does he focus on the resources of the people? Why does he say, will man rob God? Because at the heart of this passage, the heart of his people is sick. How is the heart of his people sick? With greed, materialism, and self-indulgence. Again, Jesus says it's best. Where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Notice that when God accuses his people of robbing him, ready? That means the people have taken something that belongs to God. Pause. Think about that. You have robbed me. So something that God owns or belongs to God, has been stolen from his people that rightly belongs to the Lord. Specifically in our context, what is that? The tithes and contributions. The word tithe means a tenth. It's referred to that tenth of the people's produce and income that was commanded and therefore owed to God. The tenth was paid to the Levites. And from this tenth... A tenth was paid to the ministering priests. The instructions for this were found in Leviticus 27 and Numbers 18. So notice, this was God's command on his people to provide and care for the work of him in their midst. I want you to see here, notice how much God cares about this. I mean, he's specifically saying right here, you need to give generously, otherwise, I don't have your heart. And I want your heart because I have your heart, I have your everything. If I don't have the treasure in your life, I don't have you. I don't have you. We're not going very far. This is what the people were not doing. They were not giving. They were stingy. They were selfish. They were worldly, proving their theology was messed up. Again, notice how personally God takes this. Look at verse nine. Look at verse nine. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me. Not robbing the Levites, not robbing the priests. You are robbing me, he says. You are robbing me, the whole nation of you. So, question Do you think you're giving matters to God? Ah, uh, yes. Why? Because it's the great indicator of the heart. And because the Lord knows this, He hammers this truth over and over and over again because He wants our hearts. Just this week I was talking to a friend and we weren't talking about this, but he just mentioned he says, you know, the Bible would be a lot thinner if God didn't only said things once. But because God knows we need to hear things over and over again, he repeats things that we can suggest are most important to his heart, for our heart. Again, look at this quote here by Howard Dayton. He says this, Jesus talked much about money. 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. I mean, that in itself, wow. 16 of 38 parables. In the gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 280 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Wow. So God's got one book he's written and he gives it to us and the emphasis on where the heart is in terms of money and possessions and earthly treasures and pointing us to heavenly treasures for the kingdom of God. So I think all of us would agree right now God's pretty smart. So if he takes all this room up in his one book on this topic, it tells you something first about the human heart. And it also tells you something about God's heart for our heart. He's like, why have you robbed me? I want your heart. And the heart is proven often through giving. Now the question that often gets asked in Malachi 3, and it's the right question to ask is well okay? So the tithes and contributions. So we're New Testament. We're New Covenant. Should we tithe too? Then is the command in the Old Testament, Old Covenant? Does that apply under the New Covenant and the New Testament? You know what's funny about that question? When I've been in ministry now again for 15 years or so, it's 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 amusing to me that when this question is asked, it's almost always asked from the preface of now. Do we have to tithe? But I don't think it's ever. Not ever, but rarely ever is it asked, do we have to tithe? Because I want to give more. I want to give more than that. Often it's asked by someone, do we have to tithe? Because they're hoping like, tell me I can give less. Tell me I can give less. And that just shows you the reality and the sadness of where our hearts are often at. Pastor, find me a way to give less to God. Rarely is it, can I give more than that? And this this is part of the problem, isn't it? Our answer is clear though, okay? The Old Testament clearly presents a 10% tithe as the standards for God's people. The New Testament is not as clear or the commands are less prominent in terms of a percentage of giving. So the question really becomes this. Do you think in the New Testament and under the new covenant is the expectation to give less or more than the Old Testament, really the question that we have to ask ourselves let's answer it this way as new covenant believers have we received more or less of god's grace and revelation and truth are we more debtors to god's grace or less i heard it said this way too did jesus tithe his life and blood for us or did he give us his all. So we believe here that the answer overall is very clear. We think the starting point, the starting principle, principle for giving biblically is 10%. Wow,
1: well, a strong word from God's word today, a message of hope for all of us today. We pray that you receive that from the Lord today and your hearts are encouraged by that. And, loved ones, just a reminder we would love here at Live in the Light, we would love to hear from you if God's been moving in such a strong way, maybe even just today, providing you with that great message of hope. Our phone number is one 22 light That's 1-844-22-L-I-G-H-T. Or you can reach out to us via our website at liveinthelight.ca. Thanks for listening today, loved ones. We hope you join us again next time.